Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. And this week is the first in a three-parter where we'll be looking at uh, what is commonly known as the Cornetto Trilogy. Is that what you would call it, Sol? Yeah. Three Flavors Cornetto Trilogy, Blood and Ice Cream Trilogy. Yeah, it's it's the first first three feature films of Edgar Wright, proper feature films. He did something called A Fistful of Fingers yeah. was his debut. I'm not counting that. Which as was more was of <laughs> yeah. not released. Well, BAFTA counted it. That's that's why he wasn't up for the like outstanding debut or whatever it's called. Mm, I mean, it is a feature film if you've seen A Fistful of Fingers. It is out there now, finally. It's kind of made its way online. But it's very much of the Cannibal the Musical level of filmmaking. And then I believe Scott Pilgrim was between mm. Hot Fuzz and The World's End. Mm. There might have been another film in there. But anyone who's not clear, we're doing Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz and The World's End, which are all Edgar Wright films and all co-created with Simon Pegg. Is that is that right? Did he co-write them all? Yeah, they both, uh, they all, yeah, the two of them wrote all three. Well, the reason we're doing these films is because we asked our patrons... Uh, who only pay just $1 a month to get all their extra material. Uh, And also they get to vote on uh, what films we do in the future, Uh, some of them. And this was one we we had a few weeks, uh, a gap of a few weeks. We said, what do you want to see? They said, these films. And I understand why. Good films, mostly. Yeah. We've had numerous requests for these uh, films before doing the Patreon thing, so it makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, yes, you, the listener, would like to join our Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash dimreturns. And yes, it is just $1 a month. That's not even a pound, is it? I don't know. Something around that. And It's about uh, 75p, I think. We do. We put out uh, diminisodes, which are usually just extra bits uh, of us talking. Yeah, we've got a shitload recorded that yeah, need editing and uploading, but they are coming. Um, and we generally, mostly they're reviews of new films, so if we're looking at a film, for example, uh, we recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did The Lion King, and then we went and see the new Lion King, and we reviewed it on a Diminisode, and so you can get a much more up-to-date uh, response from that. So, uh, that's what Patreon uh, will get you for $1 a month, so go and join us and help us uh, pay our bills. Okay, so, on to the actual film. Uh, so, this week, we're just concentrating on Shaun of the Dead, and it's, it's I think it's going to be a tough one for us this week, Sol, because... I think we both absolutely love this film. Uh, I'm, oh, do we? Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, you, usually when you love something, I'll try and be a dissenting voice, but I can't do it here because there's nothing to dissent. <laughs> well, I, kn- I knew you were a fan, but I thought you'd be able to come in with a few complaints. I have one complaint. Really? Well, I, I've just rewatched it, and it's the first time I've watched it in a few years, probably, but I've seen it, Same, I've seen yeah. it a few times. And I was kind of waiting to see something where I was like, okay, this doesn't quite hold up. I was like, no, I... Okay, let's not bury the lead here. I think this might be the perfect film. Well, yeah, I, I think... and I'm not saying it, I'm not saying it's my favorite film on a personal level, but in terms of just pure it's up filmmaking, there for me. yeah, I do enjoy it on a personal level as well. But in terms of filmmaking, the art and the craft, this is a yeah. fantastic piece of work. I I love this film. I always have. Uh, I haven't watched it in probably about three or four years at this point. I think last time I watched it was part of a big marathon of all three films back to back, and I got cornettos of every flavor to go with them and everything. How, how many cornettos <laughs> did you get through in the hour and a half runtime? 
I think I ate all of them. <laughs> what, all the cornettos was, in that, the world? That was three boxes of four. <laughs> fat bastard. You don't... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I have one of each, I think. They're smaller than they used to be, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's three cornettos over four and a half hours? That's not that bad. <laughs> Is it? Nah, it's not. I was in a relationship at the time, so... You know, so you're allowed to get fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's one of... Basically, this is probably the film I've seen the most out of every film in the world. I, I might have seen this film about 50 times. Like, this is, <laughs> this is the most approaching Calvin levels of film watching. 50? Really? And what? Maybe. How? I, I, yeah, I don't think... Well, you know, when, when I was 14... I got the DVD and I didn't have a lot of pocket money and to go and buy stuff and I watched that DVD countless times. Uh, there's about twenty commentary tracks on the DVD, so if you count each of those as a separate viewing, and I remember making a real point of like it got to a point where I just put it on for background noise a lot of the time yeah. when I was doing other things, and it is a film that I revisit every few years now. But I think I probably logged a solid, you know. 30, 40 viewings when I was really young, and now it's just become like once every few years. And But basically, my, what I was building to is I really was kind of... I did that classic thing that I do a lot on the show where I'm dreading re-watching it, because it's like, oh, I've seen that mm. film so many times, I don't know if I can bear sitting through it again as much as I love it. Two seconds in, phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, I really was just bowled over by how bordering on perfection it is. It is an intensely well-written and an intensely well-directed film, and it's rare you get both of those things in the same package. And beyond that, it is intensely dense. There is so much going on at any given moment in this film. I think that's how I've managed to rewatch it so many times. It is. Well, I, funnily I, enough, I when I was watching it, I, was, I thought to myself, you could watch this 50 times and still be missing bits. Uh, so well, I guess we'll test that with you. <laughs> but I was... But yeah, it's like every, every line of dialogue, every prop in the background mm. is there on purpose. It's saying yeah, something. Yeah. It's going to pay off later. Every bit of every music that's chosen... Every camera angle. Yeah. And and yeah, and it's not, and it's it's kind of experimental in terms of its camera movement. And not experimental is a bit strong, but it's certainly um, adventurous with it. It's not afraid to do uh, things that will pull you out of the the film, even. But it's completely yeah. in control of what it's doing. Yeah. So uh, let's start with Spaced. Okay. So Spaced was this a sitcom where Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, well. Did, I, I presume they worked together before that, and then came to, and then worked together to do that that show. But I presume I they don't met really know. Ed, Edgar, Edgar Wright was a a, a standard British comedy director, mm-hmm. pre spaced, and he, he was an in, insanely young director. He, he's a real kind of wunderkind mm. story. He directed the um, French and Saunders Christmas special that he did when he was like. In his early twenties, it's ridiculous. It was a different time, wasn't it, Alan? Not that different. <laughs> we, we just failed in our careers, so let's accept it. <laughs> I, I found it really upsetting, actually, to rewatch this film and discover that Sean is twenty-nine years old. <laughs> was Simon Pegg twenty-nine? Maybe been skimming um, a few years off. <laughs> yeah, <sighs> I've still got, I've still got the better part of a year before I'm Mark's age at the start of Peach. <laughs> 
So I'm not sure exactly how Edgar Wright and Sampag met, but they... Edgar Wright, I believe, did something called Mash and Peas. I I think that was his first significant directing credit, which was a Matt Lucas, David Walliams project on, like, British Comedy Central or some other godforsaken little thing that no one was watching. I mean, if you want to go way, way, way back, Edgar Wright worked on, I believe, uh, Beatles About, or (laughs) it was some kind of Jeremy Beadle you've been framed type thing and it was just a real free-for-all and he was a i think he was like a video researcher but it was such a just you know whatever go pick up a camera film a little insert for this thing so basically he got to start directing segments for tv whilst working at the show then he got access to all of the editing equipment things like that and was able to kind of focus on his own little projects made this little intensely independent project called A Fistful of Fingers, which was a spoof western, and then, I think off the back of that, started getting proper TV directing gigs. So, yeah, he did the Matt Lucas, David Walliams one, which I think was his introduction to the likes of Simon Pegg, because he was part of that Matt Lucas, David Walliams crowd. Uh, There were a few other shows here and there, but basically, they landed together on Space, and I, I think it was just oh, this is a good director, he's good at comedy. Spaced was Simon Pegg and Jessica Hines, then Stevenson, yes, um, who were writing that. And although Edgar Wright did contribute the odd gag and, and was definitely quite involved creatively, he was very much the director, uh, not the writer. So it, it's interesting how, how closely tied Spaced is, I think, to these three films, to say Jessica Stevenson, arguably 50% of the creative force behind the show isn't really involved. Mm-hmm. And and it always used to bug me, to be perfectly honest. People would say, Shaun of the Dead, it's like Space the movie. It's If you like space, you've got to watch it. And I don't know if I agree. I, I think they're tonally very different, actually. I think, I think you can definitely see... You can oh, see, a a, from a directorial point of view, you can see that TV wasn't enough for Edgar Wright. Like yeah. the, TV, the scope of TV oh, God, was not yeah, big yeah, enough yeah. for him. And the things they do in Spaced is very cinematic. It's the British equivalent of the Russo brothers directing Community. Mm. And now they're the biggest directors in Hollywood. But Spaced also, it, 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 is, it has that density as well, you know, in the film references oh, it does, that it yeah, makes. Yeah, and, completely. Uh, and, uh, and not just film references in the odd line of dialogue, but the way that they shoot it, with the directorial yeah, approach. Yeah, camera angles, weird little camera tricks and techniques. Yeah, completely. Mm. And one of the lazy things people always trot out, and again, really annoys me, lazy journalism, people always go, Shaun of the Dead began life as a, a skit at the start of an episode of Spaced where... Tim hallucinates fighting zombies. Did it? They did zombies <laughs> in an episode of Spaced in like a kind of dream capacity. A brief gag at the start, and then it comes back a bit later in the episode. It's a very brief thing. That's just these guys like zombies. That's like if I did a sitcom and put some zombies in an episode and then wrote a zombie movie. It's not... Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but then people say it's basically Space the Movie. It's basically born out of that. And they're very, very different products. I, I think Hot Fuzz, to be perfectly honest, is much closer to Space, tonally. I think the reason Shaun of the Dead feels like a bit of a different beast to me is that Shaun of the Dead is a horror comedy. It is a horror film that is also a comedy. It is a zombie movie in its own right. And again, it really annoys me that it's often called a spoof. I, I think... 
we should point out this film came out within, I think, a fortnight of Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead remake, mm-hmm. um, which arguably helped it, arguably did it a disservice. I think a lot of people thought, oh, it's a, it's a Dawn of the Dead spoof. The distributor actually had to hold the film back two weeks due to like legal <laughs> complaints from Dawn of the Dead. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people go into it thinking, or certainly for a while... I think maybe the film's old enough now and well-known enough that this isn't really an issue anymore. But for a while, people thought it was a silly spoof movie. And it's it's not. There's maybe maybe three brief moments that you could call spoofing something. And they're like a camera shot or something like that. There's not really any... I think most of of this stuff would fall under uh, homage. uh, Yeah. Or, or, yeah... um, more or less direct influence, uh, paying tribute to the genre, mm. and really using the genre tropes, turning yeah. them in on itself, so using this yeah. language that people understand. And doing it sometimes in a more overt way than yeah. normal, but certainly not parody. Not parody. But that's what I mean, is it, it, it is very much a legitimate zombie film in its own right. And it you takes, take the jokes And it out. takes itself completely seriously, and... T- you know, over and above the comedy elements. Yeah. yeah. You take the jokes out, it's a serious You take the jokes out, thing. it would be an above average zombie film. Yeah. Um it might not be well no, it wouldn't be the classic that it is, but it would be better than ninety percent of zombie films because they're mostly shite. <laughs> um and and yeah, like you say, it it takes everything seriously. It's it treats zombies with more seriousness than some of the serious films do, frankly. You could just about believe this is set in the same universe as George A. Romero's movies. And I think that's what they were going for. Um, it's also worth bearing in mind, as we get into this film, that this was at the crest of uh, the the rebirth of the zombie genre. Mm. Now like you can't move for zombie films, zombie media, it's everywhere. But zombie films weren't really a thing. Like We had trashy zombie movies there were a few of them but not hundreds up until you know throughout the 80s they kind of died off in about the late 80s um people often attribute that to michael jackson's thriller turning them into a joke we hadn't really had any zombie movies really for about 20 25 years and then suddenly we got 28 days later the dawn of the dead remake Shaun of the dead resident evil all in very quick succession Mm mm-hmm and I think, to be honest, Shaun of the Dead's probably the most significant one in terms of solidifying it as a thing that's stuck around to this day. I mean, it, it really is. It's a modern classic. It is an endearing classic. And I think its approach in terms of its knowledge of zombie films and its kind of acceptance of the genre means that it spends no time trying to explain what it is. It's not worried about what zombies are. Look, it's zombies coming to get us. That's all we need. And yeah. it means we can concentrate. And everybody knows what zombies are. It's, it's like, and it, it doesn't feel it needs to explain it in universe. It kind of goes out of its way to not explain it, really. Um, yeah. Because I it think doesn't you, matter. You have a brief news report that explains that you have to remove the head or destroy the brain, which I, I think is basically a lift from Night of the Living Dead's yeah. dialogue on the news, to be But even, even that, there's there's lots of elements where it's just, you're half hearing something on the radio or the TV, oh, flicking God. through I the mean, channels, and it's like, which is all, I mean, that's straight yeah. up Night of the Living Dead stuff, isn't it? But also, yeah. uh, it works here completely, because it's giving you just a little bit of information, it's one of the things I really, really think elevates this film, like, it takes it a whole 
to a whole different level is the sound design. Mm. It is one of the most incredible bits of sound design in a film I, I, I've ever seen. There is constant, constant noise in the background. Just car alarms going off, yeah. windows breaking, the odd scream. It, it's just this constant wall of sound in the background, and it adds so much atmosphere to the film. I, I think it's genuinely quite an effective zombie film in terms of scares. Uh, it's not to say I find it scary, but I think it's scarier than most zombie films manage to be. <laughs> this is a legitimate horror film. You know, I, I think if you put this in front of a, a seven-year-old, they'd be terrified. Um, <laughs> yeah. It hits so many emotional moments as well. And yeah. and, and, and quite nicely as well. Like, yeah, yeah, Simon yeah, really Pegg does. doing some I, I think. I mean, what I was going to say, should we get into the acting a bit? Because Simon Pegg showed a hell of a lot of promise as, as you know, an actor in this film. He he does actually display quite a bit of range. He's obviously got the, the comedic side down, the likeable mm-hmm. everyman mm-hmm. persona, but he does go to some nice emotional beats. And honestly, I don't know if he's really capitalised on that. I don't know if he's quite... Yeah. lived up to the potential that was displayed here, but he's fantastic in this film. He really is. I, I think it's probably his best work as an mm-hmm. actor. Yeah, the, obvi- the obvious moments to point to are uh, when his stepfather, he has a kind of moment yeah. of, uh, of uh, sort of uh, redemption, I guess, there with that whole thing. And then yeah, obviously the with, when he's with, dying, the, yeah. Uh, with the mother as well. When the mother dies and he has to shoot her in the head because she's going to become a zombie. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, they play it out quite a long time, that whole thing. And they do a whole Reservoir Dogs uh, bit. <laughs> but it works. It, and you, you end up with this moment where he has to shoot his mother, you know. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Come on, come on. Stop it, stop it, stop it. Come on, please, stop it. <laughs> to deal with her? Daphs! For Christ's sake! She's going to come back? She's not going anywhere! Well, she'll change. She's my mum! She's a zombie. Don't say that! Yeah, so Kate Ashfield is a girlfriend as Liz. She does a hell of a job. And, and there's so many times when it was just stuff going on and, and you know, when she just had tears in her eyes or something. You know, it was just like this nice, subtle stuff and it never felt overblown. She's good. Um, overshadowed perhaps by the rest of the cast uh, we have Lucy Davis mm-hmm. Lucy Davis hello Daphs I don't want to be torn to pieces and I'm sure if you really think about it neither do you yeah I mean I've never been a big fan of Lucy Davis to be honest but she's fine doesn't quite open her mouth all the way <laughs> and I think she's playing it the way she's been asked to play it do you know what I mean yes yes yeah like what you're yeah. doing there Dylan Moran perfectly, perfectly cast as David. Um, That is just finding the right role for an actor. Dylan Moran's not necessarily the greatest actor in the world. That's not to say he's bad. I've seen him do some great stuff. It's like if you can harness him in the right place. Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. We've got Peter Serafinowicz in a very functional (laughs) role as Pete. It's four in the funking morning! It's Saturday! No, it's not. It's funking Sunday. 
and I've got to go to funking work in four funking hours because every other funker in my funking department is funking ill. Now, can you see why I'm so funking angry? Likeable presence. Yeah, Not works really... perfect. And a good balance between being essentially the bad guy to the people we're with. Yeah, but it, it, you totally understand where he's coming from. If nothing uh, else, he's really well cast in that he's a very tall man and therefore yeah, very he's got the intimidating, <laughs> both as a human and a zombie. Yeah. Uh, we've got got an early roll, an early turn from Rafa Spall. Yeah, fat Rafa Spall, yeah. Yeah, yeah, before he went all Hollywood on us. <laughs> Probably my favourite Rafe Spall performance, this. Him as Noel. I think he's great in this. He's got so much personality about what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got Bill Nye. Yes, as and the, Philip, one of the one of the best Bill Nye performances I've seen. Yeah, He's absolutely, done some good stuff in his time. Yeah, I love Bill Nye, and I mean, this was the film that woke me up to him very much. So, Sean wants to take us somewhere. Don't be silly. I'm not going anywhere. Well, maybe you should stay here. You know, wait for the doctor, and I'll take Mum. But you said the doctor wasn't coming. You didn't call the doctor, did you? Well, I thought we ought to be on the safe side. I'm quite all right, Barbara. I ran it under a cold tap. I really think we had our jabs when we went to the Isle of Wight. But Phil, it's a lot of overblown nonsense. A lot of drug nuts running wild. Still, I should get Mum away. You know, just in case they come back. I'm not going anywhere without Philip. Mum, look. How about that tea? We have Penelope Wilton, another career best, I think, probably, mm-hmm. is Barbara, Sean's mum. Yeah, and that's a, that's another one where... Perfectly cast. Just nails it. And and the relationship between the three of them, you know, the stepdad, and he kind of resents the stepdad, mm. but it's all just kind of so pointless. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it feels very real. Yeah. And she's like a pac- the pacifist between them. Uh, and and last but not least, out of the main cast, I think, unless I've uh, missed anyone, is is Mr. Nick Frost in a, another career defining performance. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the character that Nick Frost can play. <laughs> it's basically what he does, uh, but it's, it's so obviously written for him. And I, am, am I right? Nick Frost was just Simon Pegg's mate, and he wrote him into space. Yeah, that that's how he became an actor, right? If if I remember correctly, and if this is to be believed, um, they met in a restaurant when Nick Frost was waiting the tables, and Simon Pegg was eating there, and one of them made like a Star Wars noise, did like a little robot noise, and the other one sort of completed the noise or something (laughs) like that. Yeah. Hey, and you know what? Nick Frost as Mike in Spaced might be the best character. Um, so, you know, it's not like undeserved nepotism, is it? No, it's, no. It's, it's, um... But there's, al- there's also, there is a sense of, in Spaced that he's a bit raw as an actor. Yeah, uh, completely. And, he's but by lot. this point, Sean yeah. of the Dead, he's so comfortable what he's doing. Yes, he's playing a character that is written for him and is probably yeah. really playing to his strengths. Very different to his role in Spaced, though, it has to be yes. said. It's, it's not like, Sean is more or less Tim from space. There's not a world of difference there. Ed Mm -hmm. isn't Mike at all. It's it's a very different character. In 1994, while on weekend manoeuvres in France, I commandeered a chieftain tank without the permission of my immediate superiors. I then attempted to invade Paris. However, en route, I stopped off at Disneyland, or Euro Disney as it was then called, and was subsequently apprehended on Space Mountain. 
like you say, it feels much more like it's maybe just a heightened version of Nick Frost. But yeah, he's he's great here. He really is. And and there's undeniable legitimate chemistry between him and Simon Pegg, which I, you know goes a long way towards selling the film. Yeah, yeah. Why have we got to go to Lizzie's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. All right, gay. And and yeah, just throughout the film, it's every bit of casting in this film is spot on. Even the extras, all the supporting artists are, mm. are just so... They just look the part. They're, they're so well-placed. And there's um, so, so many points in this where the zombies are centre stage and they, they have to... You need people who can act zombie, yeah. not just extras. You know, you need yeah. you need people who are going to give yeah. it what, they, well, what it needs. Another thing this film does remarkably well is it it does a wonderful job of giving all of the all the significant zombies some degree of story. Um, pretty much every extra we see in the film early on later comes back as a zombie yeah. version of that extra. So you've almost got these hundreds of little story arcs taking place just in the background which is really cool in the build-up before the zombie stuff really kicks off there's so much like every time you see sean's on the bus and everyone who's on the bus is in a sort of zombified state in what we would think in a a sort of more Mm. realistic term that we would use it and that that's an that's obviously something that's comes from the the history of zombies you know like they're all they all pouring into the shopping mall because they're just working on instinct you know yeah. all this idea of just trudge uh, and going to work and, and yeah. just li- not really living a life and it's the central point of sean's character arc he's mm. wasting his life he's just going through life and going through the motions yeah uh, and he and his girlfriend wants to achieve something more and he doesn't even understand you know yeah and it all ties in together it's great the music yeah, lovely use of music. The music's amazing in this film. It's largely a curated soundtrack, and the opening theme tune, I suppose, is a track called The Blue Wrath by I Monster. This essentially turns me on to White Monster. They're they're one of my favourite bands now. But throughout the film, you know, you've got great music. You've got two Queen tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got um, all sorts of bits of horror movie horror movie music lifted from here and there, Tarantino style. You've got three songs by Ash. Do you know why we've got three songs by Ash, Allen? Is it Edgar Wright's brother? No. <laughs> You're on the right lines, though. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Ash were around a long time before Shaun of the Dead, though. They were well known. Yeah, yeah. In fact, well, I would it, I would argue they were probably pa- well past their peak by 2004. <laughs> well, it's it's the songs Meltdown, Orpheus, and Everybody's Happy Nowadays. The latter of which is a Buzzcocks cover. Uh, they were all donated to the film for free because it was Ooh. made on quite a low budget because Edgar Wright was shagging uh, <laughs> Charlotte Heatherly. The guitarist and backing vocalist of the group, and also nice. sometimes songwriter. So there you go. It's not, Contacts. It's not what you know, it's who you're shagging. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly that. The soundtrack CD, by the way, for this film, 
the actual soundtrack they released is incredible. If you have a chance to listen to it, if you haven't listened to it, just like find it, listen to it. Because it's not just a collection of 12, 13, 14, 15 songs from the film um, with a bit of film score thrown in at the end. Um, should we kind of go through the film? Because I've well, made a whole load of notes here and it's just going to be an easy way to kind of... Yeah, I mean, I didn't make any notes. I just sort of watched it and, and yeah, it was... I couldn't almost... stop making notes, Alan. I couldn't stop. Well, that was it. It was almost too much. I decided just not not, not to bother. There's too many yeah. things to kind of pick out. But yeah, let's hit the sort of main plot points and see how we All go. Right. But I, this was my this was my problem. I think we're just going to be going. Oh, this bit was good, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so basically, uh, how does it start? You've got them in the pub, see people going around, and then we have the first sort of major scene, which is they're in the house. Sean, Pete, and Ed, and Pete's sick of Ed. He's complaining about him. I all oh, right. So here's a perfect example of the writing in this film being just beautiful. Um, something they do throughout is repeated dialogue. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty much any line someone says to someone comes back again in one form or another later, but there's a really, really blatant example early on, which is when uh, they're playing Tekken 2, and then Simon Pegg walks in, Yeah, and he says, Hey man, listen, I'm all top left. Uh-huh. I was going to say, reload? I'm on it. Um, since... Oh, my God. And uh, the exact same dialogue is repeated back to him uh, when they have a a gun behind the bar and they're shooting the zombies at the end of the film. Top left! Reload! I'm on it! Nice shot. Exactly. There's quite, yeah, like you say, there's a lot of that. Repeated yeah. dialogue. There's also the other big thing they do in terms of foreshadowing is they'll they'll basically say what is going to happen. Yeah, they map <laughs> well, they out the know. entire plot of the film early on in the pub. After and um, a simple example is when uh, Ed says about Pete, he says, "Oh, next time I see him, he's dead." And obviously, the oh, next yeah, time yeah. I see him, he's a zombie. So, well, about give us this uh, more. There's a more detailed example. All right. Well, give, um, so basically, Ed maps out the plan for the the following day, and he says, right. You know what we should do tomorrow? Keep drinking. We'll have a bloody merry first thing. Have a bite of the king's head, couple of the little princess. We'll stagger back in. <laughs> back at the bar for shots. How's that for a slice of fried gold? No. Come on, man. So obviously they keep drinking. They have a bloody Mary first thing. Uh, there's a girl in the garden called Mary. That zombie, the first encounter they have with mm-hmm. a zombie is yeah, uh, that's the a, first one they have to deal with, and she's got a, a literal name tag bloody Mary. Let, yeah. let us know that she's called Mary. Yeah, yeah. Um, have a bite at the king's head is you have to get a bit metaphorical for that. But Philip, uh, the king, arguably gets bitten um, when they go to pick up his mum. Mm-hmm. Uh, a cop. Then, yeah, they pick up a couple at the Little Princess. They go around to Liz's flat and they pick up Dave and Diane along with mm-hmm. her, who are a couple. Uh, then they stagger back to the Winchester by uh, because they imitate zombies. They literally stagger on mm-hmm. purpose to get there, and then they end up back at the bar for shots, uh, firing the gun at the zombies. Well, literally shots at the bar because they set it on fire and leave the shells. Well, that there too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean that. Every line of dialogue practically has got some element of that going on. 
and yeah, so they wake up the morning after. We've seen all these hints that zombies are happening around them, but they're oblivious to it. And then they wake up and it's like the apocalypse has hit, um, but they're in a sort of hungover daze, don't notice it. Gorgeous yes, use get... of a single camera tracking shot. Uh, so, twice. Yeah, we get as Sean gets it goes to the shop, so it's all done in one sort of steady cam shot. So we see mm. him before and then after the zombie apocalypse, yeah. and we see and, the echoes uh, of what of what we've seen yeah. before. Yeah, and it, that's it. It's completely mirrored both times. Uh, so the first time, for example, you have a, a one armed man with a prosthetic fake arm, <laughs> like under his suit, and then later <laughs> on, you see him lumbering down the road with an arm off, mm. uh, He's setting got an up. arm off. Yeah, yeah, and then obviously he comes in through the house. And I like that, uh, just simple things, that he's, he's wearing a, a wedding suit, you know, he's obviously yeah. dressed up for a wedding, and then so the next day he's still wearing it, it's immediately recognisable, it's not just yeah. a bloke in the street, We we and it's a simple thing, but it makes us go, okay, that's the same guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nice little touches like that. Yeah, completely. One thing I, I really love that this film does very well is how it handles the zombies. There's no explanation given as to why they have happened, but Mm -hmm. the film does offer you, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And that's all they need to do, because if there was nothing, it might be a bit like, well, where you know, that's lazy, they couldn't come up with anything, bullshit. Um, But the fact they kind of go, well, you know, one newsreader thinks it's this, the newspapers think it's that. Mm -hmm. It's it's basically them saying, look, we could have picked any of these. And we're just not gonna, because the second we pick one, you can start saying, well, that's stupid. Um, the sequence of them out and about is just beautifully done. These little brief flashes of just chaos going on around them is up there with... This is something I love in zombie movies in general, and I think some of these ones here are up there with the best of like serious zombie films. Um, there's one shot in particular where you kind of see a, it's like a woman grabbing people running out of a house and you just get like just a brief glimpse of it, but it's just a very, very disturbing image, I think. Um, but beyond that, there's one of my favorite details in a film ever. Yeah. There is for some God knows why that for some reason there is a lawnmower uh, a lawnmower driving down the street with a severed arm holding onto it in the background of a <laughs> shot <laughs> just after they hit that guy and like take his legs off, cripple that zombie yeah. and drive off down the street. If you look in the top right corner, you'll see it. Lawnmower <laughs> driving down the street. Obviously a detail they put there on purpose, but probably more more effort than... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they were planning to do more with it at one point or what. It's a very <laughs> weird thing to do. But I love it. I love that it's there. <laughs> and there's there's so much going on in these hobbies and it's so frantic uh, yeah. while they're in the car and they and then they just use these techniques to make it more chaotic like there's seven of them in the car or whatever and mm. Mm. uh the ed's put this like harsh music on yeah. everyone's trying to talk over each other quick cut editing he keeps running into people so you've got this pa- people bouncing off the car it's just frenetic and building and building oh man the, uh, the, and the, just, the, that's the, the whole cinematography thing and the editing in this film yeah. are both outstanding frank like basically one of the things i was going to complain about this film was completely overlooked at the likes of the baftas and i think it's fucking disgusting honestly mm. because this is stood the test of time who still talks about atonement? 
No one gives a fuck. <laughs> it's shit. No one cares. <laughs> oh, I like the Tolman. I'm like, well, it's <laughs> shit. Get, you're wrong. Let's not go too far. <laughs> but, but yeah, you know what I mean? It is, like, it, it is odd. It, 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 this was a... This was a fucking critically acclaimed British film. Yeah, it, it, it did well at the nowhere. time as well. It's not like it, it's yeah. had a cult following. It was a huge success financially as well, based on the budget. It broke yeah. America to a degree in a way British films don't really do. Um, it deserved to be in the conversation at the BAFTAs. And frankly, it deserved Best Picture nomination, if not a win. But I'm not surprised it didn't get there. But at least acknowledge it on a technical front. The editing is outstanding. Mm. The cinematography is fantastic. The score is brilliant. The writing... This is one of the finest screenplays ever written. Mm. Um, And all it got at the BAFTAs was a, a Best Newcomer nod... Not even a win, I think. Or, or was it a win? I think it was just a nominee, uh, a nomination for Naira Parks, the producer, who hadn't produced mm. a feature film before. So, it's just just a shame, isn't it? The film was also nominated for Best British Film, but it didn't win. Well, what won? What won? Atonement? Uh, let me look it up. So, Best British Film. My Summer of Love beat it. Have oh, you ever heard I love of that? that. What? What the fuck is that? <laughs> What what is my summer of love? I've never heard. No, of seriously it. though, what is it? Because I, I don't know. <laughs> I've looked. Well, it's whatever it is. It's got six point eight on IMDb. Oh, classic. Uh, it's directed by someone called Paul Paul Polikowski. A beautiful British name. Set in the Yorkshire countryside, starring Natalie Press, Emily Blunt, Paddy Considine. Do you know what this does look like? Something I would like. <laughs> <laughs> well, because right, it's about so, a, it's like a coming of age, yeah. uh, gritty northern drama. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was nominated alongside Dead Man's Shoes. Fair enough. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, fine. And Vera Drake, which I haven't seen, but is meant to be good. Mike Lee, isn't it? Uh, yeah. So I'm reading my summer of love. It's about two teenage girls who discover each other. I really want to see this film. <laughs> Over the, over the summer, the two young women discover they have much to teach one another and much to explore together. Mm. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, All definitely right. watching that. Putting that on my watch list. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, anyway. Uh, then there's a, there's a prolonged sequence of them on foot, um, walking through these kind of back gardens and alleyways to get to the pub. But that's a really nice moment as well when when they they lose the car. So they're driving around and they're yeah, kind of yeah, safe yeah. in the car. And so yeah. you have to have a create a danger in the car. They lose that and then to 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 have these different levels where they they can fight them off, they can run away and now they have to blend in. It's like all these different elements of this plot uh, of different ways to confront the zombies basically. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it it gives it more flavor. It's not just a big it keeps prolonged it action sequence. Yeah, it's, yeah, it keeps and they get a lot of comedy out of it, obviously. Yeah. The one thing I don't like in the film, the one part of the film I'm not a fan of, the zombies are about to get them all because they've kind of blown their cover because David did uh, do the right thing and smashed the window yeah. with a bin. And then Sean just runs through the crowd of zombies like, hey, over here, come and get me, and just like just walks straight through them, basically, and they don't kill him. Mm. Not a big fan of that. I feel like they could have filmed it slightly differently, done it a bit just better. Just so he got away at an angle that they're not yeah it, it just it just makes the zombies a bit less of a threat than i think they have been presented as and yeah. later are and sort of need to be 
if you can just run through them and as long as you're quick enough it it doesn't quite i'm not a fan of it but it's that is my one complaint about the entire film <laughs> so fair play to him um and I, I i honestly i wouldn't be surprised if there were like budgetary issues with that and they wanted to do it one way and they just didn't quite have the yeah. set to work with and and yeah then we what happens they they go into the pub it's a classic sort of zombie siege third act. It all goes to shit. The zombies get in. Everyone gets eaten. This, yeah. If if anything, this the whole kind of fight, big sort of siege fight at the end, goes on a bit long for me. I could have, you know, just yeah. seen, look lost five minutes. That would have been enough. I mean, that's a. I'm, yeah. I'm being very nitpicky, I guess. But yeah. But I've never been uh, taken with just action stuff. When it just comes down to the fighting, I'm not bothered. I think this film might be the most clear-cut manifestation of the, dare I say, quite male fantasy of the zombie apocalypse. Dawn of the Dead flirted with this, the original Dawn of the Dead. Um, but the the idea of zombies as a positive thing, because it's kind of this fantasy. You, you're in a dead-end job, your life's going nowhere, you're kind of in a rut. Instead of having to turn your life around properly, zombie apocalypse happens, and you just have to kind of man up and take charge of very simple problems which are stay alive keep other people from dying i i think it's the most clear-cut manifestation of that weird dark fetishization of the zombie apocalypse or apocalyptic fiction Mm. in general yeah um, it's like when the in in a lot of things yeah the everyday man becomes the hero yeah and it's like yeah it's a quick fix isn't it (laughs) yeah basically but it's good because I mean that is what the film's all about. Um, you know, it's not like it's not grappling with it. And I, I like the bit where Liz, like very near the end, like he refers to her as his girlfriend, and she was like, "What do you think I'm going to get back together with you just because you've saved everybody, <laughs> or yeah. whatever it was?" And, and he's like, "Oh well, you know." Yeah. <laughs> so I like that she, it doesn't quite let him have yeah the validation for it. But yeah. at the same time, he has proved himself. The whole point is that he never sort of gets off his ass and does anything. But he does. He goes out of his way to go and help Liz and his mother. He takes control of the situation over and over again. He becomes the leader. He becomes uh, the person that they're looking yeah. to for, for control and, and stability. He has a very solid arc as a character. It's a very clear, gradual growth. And a nice nice handling of character in terms of you just talk about gender. Because it's not, there's, it definitely does not, you don't get the sense of like the men are saving the day. Yes, Sean does all, as, yeah. the, as the hero, but then Liz is just as uh, capable as him. And Dave, David's a fucking David's bumbling buffoon who causes all sorts of trouble for them. But then Di, you know, loses the plot in, in the heat yeah. of the moment and also causes trouble. Everyone's kind of, Ed is, you know, a manifestation of a lot of, toxic masculinity and things like that mm-hmm. arguably but then you know he he's also got a lot of good about him and he he's willing to to sacrifice himself and die at the end in order to mm-hmm. help the other to escape and things like that he, it, yeah i think everyone in this film's very nicely drawn character far beyond what they needed to be for a zombie comedy frankly and and Ed really nails that balance. It's it's like Bender in Futurama of being a really quite yeah. a nasty piece of work a lot of the time, and like doing things that could really seriously get people into a lot of trouble, but still being completely lovable. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a difficult balance to pull off. That. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's but like they, they you're right. They they really really do nail it. Um, right. Do you do you want to play a little Shaun of the Dead quiz, Alan? 
I certainly do. All right. I will give you a point, Alan, for every single cameo you can name in this film. Okay. Well, my first thought is where they do the the crossover with the sort of like for like, uh, like uh, Bizarro World. Yeah. Yvonne's uh, crew of people. Yeah. yeah. So it's Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman. All right, go on. That's one point. Martin Freeman plays uh, Yvonne's boyfriend, the sort of yeah. wacko uh, Bizarro World Liz. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, Reese Shearsmith. Yeah. Reese Shearsmith. Perfectly cast as the alternate David. Tamsin Gregg. Yeah, the alternate Diane. Bit of Matt an Lucas. outside choice, that one, but yeah. Yeah. Matt Lucas with a, a weird wig on as the alternate uh, Ed. Well, well, Tamsin Gregg would have been working with Dylan Moran on Black Books at the time, yeah. I guess. Well, you, you know what the idea of this whole scene was? I don't think it quite plays the way they intended it, honestly, but. Um, the idea, the joke was that they'd stumbled upon a better film. I mean, the joke, I think <laughs> as it plays, it's like they've stumbled upon a better team that kind of has their shit together. And, you know, that kind of plays when she's like, oh, you're going to the pub, really? You know, it's kind <laughs> of like, oh, oh good luck. Um, and the idea is they've survived at the end, even though you only see Yvonne. But the joke was that they were like a bigger budget, better version of this film with a better cast. <laughs> But it hasn't really played out because Simon no, Pegg's now an A-list Hollywood star. <laughs> Nick Frost's considerably bigger in terms of films than Matt Lucas. I think. Well, no, maybe they're comparable. But Tamsin Gregg's had a more fruitful career than <laughs> Lucy David. Oh no, no, that's a joke, isn't it? Um, no, that works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's, it doesn't quite work the way they intended. I think. No. Yeah, if you to make that joke work, it has to be like bloody Tom Cruise or yeah, you know that sort of, maybe a British sort of equivalent, but you know it has to be some big big names. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So you've uh, got one left in that little group. So the woman who plays the mother, I I can't think of what's in my head is. I my guess would be it's the woman who lives is the landlady in space. Yes, it is Julia is it? Deacon. I, yeah, who plays. Oh wow! Well, <laughs> that was an, it went, I went for the obvious choice. Yeah, no, that, that's that's, yeah. that's her. <laughs> All right. Uh, who else? Uh, other cameos. Yes. Should we exclude newsreaders and Trisha and okay, like that yeah, from yeah, the, yeah, the equation because they're too, they're too, they're kind of, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, they're playing themselves, not quite the same thing. Yeah. So let's see if we take everyone playing themselves out of the equation. Vernon Kay. <laughs> Vernon Kay, yeah. Trisha, Krishnan Guru Murphy, Carol Barnes, Rob Butler, Jeremy Thompson. I think that's them. So we've also got. Um, some other news reporter voices who are not actual news reporters. Oh, really? Uh, we've also got Mark Gatiss, who is okay, the guy yeah. talking about news of a down satellite, blah, 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 quite early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Julia Davis, who is the female oh. news reporter talking about a sign of a coming apocalypse, blah, 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 when they first go out to the car. Um, uh, David Walliams. Is the news reporter at one point? I'm not sure okay. which one, but he is apparently a voice in the film. Uh, okay, uh, then we have a whole load of familiar faces as actual zombies in the film. Uh, I think Joe Cornish. Joe Cornish, yeah, he's a zombie at the end of the film. He gets shot by the army when they come in. Does that mean that Adam Buxton is one as well? <laughs> no, but you're on the right lines. 
Garth, um, Garth Jennings. What's his face? Jennings, yeah. that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays one of the zombies in the It's a Knockout thing. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, listeners, if you don't know who Garth Jennings is, he's a, a film director, much like Joe Cornish. Son now, of Rambo? Yeah, son of Rambo. Were they, were they at school together or something? Or yeah, something? They're, they're really good. Oh, does ma- that, is Louis mates. Theroux there? Louis Theroux's mates with him as well. No, he's not, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, I don't know where he is, but apparently Russell Howard's in there as a zombie. We've also got Paul Kay very prominently as a zombie. Uh, did you spot him? Uh, I didn't, but I did see earlier when we were talking about Edgar Wright that he'd worked on Dennis Penis. Yeah. Uh, in his younger days. Yeah. So He's, um, and he, he was in Spaced as well. Uh, Paul K. Right. So, there's not much more else to say, is there? I mean... Sequels. We we think it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Do you want to rate it before say, we do? We rate it out of 10? Mm, go on, then. Ding dong. Don't answer the door. <laughs> Knocking. <laughs> Who is it? Yeah, baby! <laughs> Oh no, it's John Major. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. That was Os 10 Powers making his, his contractual obligated appearance. Yeah, I mean, I we've set out pretty earlier. This I think this is an absolute, absolutely perfect film. It's a sublime example of the art and craftsmanship of filmmaking, and I give it a 10 out of 10. Holy shit! That makes this our first ever perfect ten on 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 the show. <laughs> There's only two of us today, so I think if Calvin was here, he'd be bringing the score down a bit. But uh, wow, there was talk of a sequel to this film. Really? Yeah, there was a lot of joking about, and I, I really don't think it was ever anything more than Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright having a laugh in interviews but a lot of news outlets ran with it like it was significant. Uh, They kept talking about making From Dusk Till Sean, (laughs) which was a proposed sequel about the characters dealing with vampires, and that's kind of as far as they ever got with it. And obviously that would be a terrible idea, because half the cast's dead, it would really break the reality of the world that we're given to be told, well, vampires exist as well. Because that takes it into a kind of fantasy direction rather than sci-fi. It takes away from the idea. Do you not think it takes away from the idea of it being the real world and then this thing happens? Yeah. Yes, but I mean, if you were going to embrace it and just go for it, you have to. You'd have, but you'd have to establish. You'd have to just take Sean and have every other character new. You know. Yeah. Well, Sean and Liz, maybe, but yeah. Maybe Liz and Zombie Ed. Like like the uh, the talking animal companion, basically. But you it? couldn't. Yeah, but the thing is, you couldn't have Zombie Ed as a, a a little sort of cameo at the beginning, but then you can't have him along for the whole journey because it's too cumbersome. Mm-hmm. Well, I say I just I don't think it ever. I don't think they were ever. Serious. Well, it sounds like it was just a joke. That they were. Yeah, yeah. But they did talk about it a lot. They really liked that name, and I don't get why because the obvious name for a sequel is Night of the Living Ed. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think that should be our sequel pitch. Um, They had one other sequel idea which they spoke about, which I think got a lot more traction, but never went anywhere. I don't think it ever got any serious traction, but it certainly sounded a lot more doable. And it's if they ever do turn around and decide to make a sequel to this film, I think this will be what they do. 
they did discuss the idea of doing a sort of parallel film following Yvonne and her group of survivors and seeing Mm. what they got up to at the same time. Which would basically just be another comedy with zombies. Which is great, that's fine. That's probably the best way to do it. Certainly something that doesn't need a sequel. Well, that's it. It's such a standalone thing and I mean, Hot Fuzz is basically the sequel, and I'm glad that's the way they went with it. I even at yeah. the time, I didn't want them to do a sequel. I just wanted them to kind of do another film with, and that's thankfully what they did. They did Hot Fuzz. But let's say we had to do a sequel, Alan. It's mm-hmm. called Night of the Living Ed. That's set in yeah. stone. That's too good to to pass up. Okay, so we have to work around the title. <laughs> Night of the Living Ed. Uh... So it has to be Ed coming back to life then. Well, he's a zombie already, isn't he? So he's got he's exactly. got a feature zombie head in it. That's what you need. But if he's, what if they find a cure for him? Or Could the... you do? Uh, would zombies be not zom- Would aliens be too far? Because <laughs> you could tie that in. You could be like, well, look, aliens made the zombies. How would you make that? Why would you bring them in anyway? I don't know. Well, I what, don't... where are you going with this? I'm just trying to think of what you could do to to because. The government's got it under control, so it doesn't really work that they just have another outbreak. Unless the zombie virus evolved and they had to deal with running zombies, but I well, don't that's it. That. You have Night of the Living Ed, so Ed's living in the shed, Ed in the shed, and he escapes. And so the film is about Simon Pegg and Liz, maybe like trying to catch him, and he keeps getting into shenanigans. Oh, but if but he's like a dog with no collar. If they catch him, they oh! put him in the pound. Oh! It's like fucking Homeward Bound <laughs> with a zombie. He oh, you could do you you shed. could do no seriously. You could do a total boy and his dog film with Simon Pegg as Sean because because he's not meant to have a zombie as a pet, is he? Maybe Ed's going to be exterminated. He's, oh yeah, gonna, he's, like, uh, he's off the grid. He's not supposed to be there. Yeah, they're going to exterminate all the zombies. They're too much of a liability. Keep um, biting people at the supermarket. Yeah. And he has to go on the run to like set him free in the uncontained like zombie zone. Maybe there's just some wilderness that um that they've just given up on, like the yeah, like the the Peak District. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> or the Quantox near London. Somewhere they've just gone like fuck it, we can't clean that. Do you know what? That would actually make a genuine like good little short film that I could see them making. Yeah. Uh, like as a DVD extra or something, where they they just have him driving him out and he's like ushering him off, and then yeah. he has to be he has to be uh, nasty to him to make him yeah. run away, and there's like oh, tear rolling down his oh. cheek. They did do a kind of Shaun of the Dead zombie esque DVD feature thing. Do you know about this uh, Danger? I think it was called Danger Fifty Thousand Zombies or something like that. Or was that a take on Nick Frost's TV thing? Yeah, it was. It was a DVD special feature for that TV show. And it was made, you know, th- these were coming out, the the height of DVD special features being worthwhile because people were buying DVDs just for special features. Yeah. Um. So Simon Pegg and Nick Frost got together and just pre- presumably of an afternoon, presumably largely improvised, just filmed a, <laughs> a spoof um Channel 5 documentary thing about zombies and oh, I'm you know, it was Nick Frost presenting, I'm here with the scientist, I think he's called Russell Fell and it's Simon Pegg just doing a weird voice 
I think he was doing an Australian accent, going, <laughs> oh, well, mate, zombies, you got to watch out for him, mate. So there you go. Thanks, patrons, for voting that we do this film. Patreon.com forward slash Dim Returns. I'm really digging how much the patrons are, like, making me... They're, like, choosing my favourite films for me, just ticking them (laughs) off so I don't have to choose them. (laughs) Because I think think the way we're going with this this year's Halloween episode, I think it's going to happen again. So uh, What's what's the favourite looking like at the moment? Well, right now it's between I Am Legend and The Thing. But it could all change. See, see, the good thing is I hate everything, so it's always, it's always uh, the same to me. I don't care. Although this is finally, we've done something good. Yeah. But I, don't I haven't think, given many 10s on it here, have I? I don't know if you've ever given a 10 before. Did I give six cents a 10, maybe? Oh, you did. Yeah, you did. I think there's probably one or two sneaked yeah. in. Alien, you probably gave a 10. Yeah. Yeah, Alien, I did, yeah. But, um, yeah, wow. A first for Diminishing Returns. And I don't the, the, don't expect this to last because this is Alan. Bear in mind, <laughs> and uh, I think he's going to get progressively less enthusiastic about these films as we go on. Oh, the next two. Yeah, eh, we'll see. We'll see. Let's not give anything away. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. That is how to evade and kill zombies. I'd like to thank my guest for today from the Canberra Institute, Dr. Russell Fell. Russell, thank you. My pleasure, Thundernuts. Any time. Well, why don't we go? All right. Why don't we head off? I know there's a couple of stragglers in the woods. We could always go and pop a couple of them. Yeah. Or do whatever, really. I mean, whatever you, whatever you feel like. I'm always open to new ideas. I have been since I was a girl. It's not very often you find a person like you do you mean that? Yeah. Well, you know what? I've had such a great day today. I never thought I'd find a guy that had the same kind of interest in pipe smoking and killing. I would like a look at your pipe. <laughs> I do have a pipe. <laughs> but unfortunately, I've had to shelve it. I just enjoyed it today. I enjoyed everything about it. It was great fun, wasn't it? It was lovely to come to England and meet a beauty like you. Mm-hmm.